we were living in Abilene and we had participated in several fasts, a season of fasting and prayer, and we would do that typically at the beginning of the year. And so we would take about seven days, and we would call the whole church together. We'd do some teaching and prep work just to let people know where we were going. And then we would take seven days. We would meet every day at noon for prayer. Uh, we'd just open up the worship center, and people would just come and go as they, as they came and took their lunch over that time period. And we would enjoy a special time. And, and I remember one time in particular, we did a seven-day fast. In fact, this time, it was me and several pastors in our community. And it was so powerful. We, I had so much breakthrough, like day three, a couple of things happen in fasting. It's interesting because about day three, your body begins to detox, which is a wonderful thing in the physical, but also your mind and your spirit kind of go through a detox as well. And it's literally as though you've been under a fog and that fog starts to lift and there's clarity. And so I participated in a fast. It was phenomenal. So when we called our church to fast the next time, I had these high expectations of that. I was going to just enjoy this euphoria. It's going to be amazing. I wasn't on a hunger strike. I was actually just being focused on God. So I wasn't trying to get God to do anything. I just wanted to, to just break on through to the other side, so to speak. So we started about three days into this thing. I'm expecting a repeat of what happened before and nothing. I'm just hungry after day three and irritable, by the way. If you're ever not eating for three days, it'll do that to you. And then suddenly I'm starting to rationalize how if I, is it legal to have, if I'm doing a drink fast where all I do is have drinks but no solid food, is pureeing a steak legitimate? And you think if you can get it through a straw, it's legit, right? So I was starting to rationalize because I was not getting breakthrough and I was kind of frustrated and like I said, hungry and irritable. And so it was on a Wednesday, we'd had our noon prayer, and then we had some time between Wednesday lunch and then that evening before the Bible study. So I went down to the worship center, and I just, I kind of just went in there and said, Lord, what is going on? I, I, this is not going well for me. In fact, Lord, I, I'm sorry, but I'm looking for a reason to break this thing. And I heard the word forgiveness. It was like just, it wasn't like an audible thing, but I just, in my mind, my spirit, I just heard forgiveness. So I thought, hmm, well, maybe there's something there. I said, so I just prayed. I just used that as a signal. Have you ever felt a check in your spirit? That's one way to say it. Where you just felt like something checked you up or it's like penalty flag or something just happened. So that was kind of that. And so I just said, Lord, um, I'm just going to go with this. Lord, by faith, is there, do I have, am I harboring something? Am I walking in unforgiveness against anybody? immediately a name came to me. And when the name came to me, I knew it. And I was like, yeah, that guy. And I was like, okay. So since I felt like the Lord brought this up, then I, it's time to deal with it. Because frankly, I was stuck. Anybody ever been stuck spiritually? Emotionally, physically? I mean, just stuck. I was stuck. So I... I prayed. I said, Lord, I just, in Jesus' name. I thought I'd resolve this, but maybe I didn't. So I said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I forgive this person. This person had left our church very angry, very upset, had gotten really offended and hurt. And then when I tried to talk to him, he just turned on me like a wounded dog and just just took my head off. It was really ugly. And, and it was a guy I genuinely liked. It was kind of a shocking, almost. So... <clears throat> 
By the way, we later reconciled, just FYI, finished that story. But so I was, I was like, okay. So as I'm finishing going, okay, I'm feeling, that feels good. I feel some relief. Sure enough, as, as I thought we were done and I was going to go get ready for that evening service, another name popped in my head. And I went, oh, okay. And it was some person I hadn't thought about in a long time. But then I thought, well, maybe, maybe we're on to something here. And sure enough, over the next little bit, Name after name after name began to pop up into my mind. I'm like, man, I was a lot more angry than I thought. I had no idea I was this mad at this many people. But it was an interesting thing because the Holy Spirit was leading me and guiding me. The Bible calls him the spirit of truth who leads us and guides us into all truth. We think that just means Bible stuff. It means life stuff. He leads us and guides us into all truth. And the truth was, I was harboring resentment and offense against somebody, somebody's, and it was literally blocking me. I was stuck. Now, what's interesting is when I got to the last name, I knew it because there was absolute shalom, peace, freedom, breakthrough. The fog lifted, and it was like, oh, okay, we're back. And that night when I spoke and taught, the church didn't know what hit them because I was like on fire because I was so excited to be free because sometimes you don't know how bad you feel until you feel good again. You know what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, I was free again. I got unstuck. We're talking about forgiveness. Couldn't come up with a clever name, so we're calling today's title or today's message forgiveness because it's obvious we, we need to just go there. Amen? So there's a couple of questions I want to ask you. No hands, please. Are you stuck? Are you stuck right now? Have you ever felt stuck, like you couldn't move forward, like something was holding you back or hindering you? Unforgiveness is a blessing blocker. I've seen this happen over and over. I used to do a lot of prayer ministry and prayer counseling where we would walk people through, some people call it sozo, the theophostics, deliverance, whatever you want to call it. But we would see a lot of people get free every single time when we hit a roadblock. It was typically because of unforgiveness. People would get stuck on this point of maybe they had even made a vow, what we call an unrighteous vow. And maybe you've heard this before. I will never forgive him. I refuse to forgive her. I can never forgive them. You ever heard those words? Those are unrighteous vows, and they're actually a decree, a covenant that we're making. Unfortunately, it's not with the right person. We're making that with the enemy, and the enemy will be glad to reinforce that for you. And what happens is that becomes a tie that binds us. The word forgive in the Greek literally means to forsake. So when I forgive, I forsake. I, I step away from something. I lay something aside. I let it alone. I disregard. Let go. To let be. To release. And that's a key word right there. That's the one that stood out to me. To release or to put away. So when we forgive, we're actually releasing someone something. Henry Cloud used to come and speak where I worked in Nashville. He would come on a pretty regular basis, every five to six weeks, Henry Cloud would come and speak and do our devotional. He was amazing. And in his book, which I highly recommend, called Boundaries, it's a great book on codependence, forgiveness, dealing with your stuff from a Christian perspective. And in that book, he says this, when you refuse to forgive someone, you still want something from that person. 
Now think about that just for a minute. You still want something from that person. And even if, even if it is revenge that you want, it keeps you tied to them forever. Someone came up to me between services and said, have you ever heard this from somebody who'd been through Al-Anon? He said, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. That was so good. That's a tweeter. That's going to go out on Twitter later. That is powerful. It's like taking poison and expecting someone else to die. Because what unforgiveness does is it binds us to the control of another. And now we're walking around bound up. We're asking God for freedom, and he's saying, you're going to have to let something go to be free. It's almost like the flying trapeze in the circus. I remember seeing Barnum Bailey when I was a kid and seeing those trapeze artists. I was so enamored by it. But here's the deal. They had to let go of one to grab another to perform their trick. They could never just stay on the one or we would all get bored and leave and want our money back. But because they were doing these amazing feats, they had to let go of one bar in order to transverse sometimes what seemed like forever, and catch on to another. You cannot hold on to the past and hold on to trauma, hold on to offense, hold on to unforgiveness and go forward. You will stay stuck in one spot swinging back and forth. That's called stuck. And there are people here today that are stuck and literally you're still wanting something from that person so you refuse to forgive. Listen to this story. Jesus was talking, and Peter came to him and said, Jesus, I got a thing I need to talk to you about, and it's about this issue of forgiveness. Apparently, he'd come up in a conversation. So, so Peter asked Jesus in verse 21 of Matthew 18, then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times, the, word, the number seven is a number of completion or wholeness. In other words, it's kind of a, it's not actually seven. It could be an any number. But however many times it takes, so to speak, Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Jesus is saying however many times it takes. Therefore, so Jesus says, that reminds me of a story. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. We could say dollars. It's going to be different, but it's several months wages, actually a couple of years wages. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything. I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred dollars. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. Verse 30, but he refused instead, before we move forward, but he refused. This one who had just been pardoned, had been forgiven so much, refused to bless it forward and forgive the debt of one who owed so little. But he refused. 
Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. I showed you mercy. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And then Jesus makes the stunning punchline. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. With the same measure, it'll be measured back to you. Can we pray for a moment? I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to do something maybe a little unusual today because I want this to be extremely practical for you today. Let's pray. Father, Holy Spirit, our helper, our counselor, our comforter, as a favor, would you bring to our mind people that we have ought against, people that we are crossed up with, people who we are walking in offense toward, people who we need to be reconciled to, people where we are holding them, what we think we're holding them in bondage when in fact we are bound up. So would you bring them to our mind today so that we can really deal with this and be free? I'm asking as a favor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So I want to review what we said earlier about this being a blessing blocker. Have you felt stuck? I'm saying it again because this is important. Like you could not move forward, like something was holding you back or hindering you. Unforgiveness is a blessing blocker. It will, it will cut the faucet off. It will shut things down. And it's literally as though you're in a vehicle that has 350 horsepower, but you're stuck high-centered, and you can't even get your tires on the ground. Engines roaring, but there is no traction, no movement, no momentum. That's how I was when I was fasting, when the Lord began to enumerate to me people I needed to walk and extend forgiveness to. So here's the thing. Forgiveness is an identity issue, and it has to do with who we are in Christ. And I want to share just some thoughts with you. And I've said some of these things in here before, but it's really important to say it this way. First of all, loved people love people. When a person knows they're loved, when they know, here's the second one, free people, free people. When they know they're free, when people know they're loved, they are free to love. When they, people are free, they are free to free others. You leak out what you have and who you are. And part of the whole idea of overflow is being so filled with life, filled with freedom, filled with love. Accepted people accept people. Filled with acceptance because we know how much God loves us and has accepted us in spite of our warts, in spite of our scars, in spite of our missteps and mishaps. He loves us. How can we not love others? He accepts us. How can we not accept others? He doesn't judge us. How can we judge others? And then the last one, forgiven people forgive people. The people who are the most offendable, that get upset over everything and are always walking around angry at somebody and frustrated with somebody are people who don't understand they have been forgiven much by God. 
The ball never dropped for them. They don't know how loved they are, how accepted they already are, how free they already are, and how forgiven they already are. The Bible tells us this, that Jesus died once for all sin. Every sin that you ever committed, past, present, and yet to commit, is already covered under Jesus Christ. As you stepped over into a relationship with him, it is not just retroactive backwards, it's forward because it's for all eternity. You are forgiven now. How can we not? With that knowledge, with that understanding, how can we not forgive? I have been forgiven greatly. That means I must be a great forgiver and release those that I'm bound myself to. Making it real. I got a call or text this week from a friend. She runs a million dollar, multi-million dollar business. And every once in a while, because she does marketplace ministry. So she's in the marketplace, but she's constantly bringing Jesus. She's constantly bringing biblical principles into the marketplace and to this massive tribe of people she connects with. So she shot me a text, said, Pastor Jimmy, I got a theological question. Can, we, can I get your thoughts on it? I said, absolutely. She said, what would you say to people in the marketplace about forgiveness and the power of forgiveness. Interesting you should ask. We're talking about that on Sunday. And I have a lot to say, but I would say the same thing to them that I would say to my own church family. So I want to share with you my responses to this. First of all, this, making it real for real life. So we want this to be practical. Releasing the ties that bind, all right? And here's what I wrote her, I said, the principle of forgiveness is the same for a Christ follower as it is for anyone. Forgiveness is a releasing of the emotional and traumatic ties that bind us up. When we refuse to forgive, we want something out of somebody that they are more than likely, 99 out of 100 times, unable to give. When we're demanding something from them, we are actually continuing to keep them in control over our own lives. We are empowering them in a very real sense. The problem is, is that we're drinking the poison expecting them to die, so we're holding them to something. Forgiveness is a releasing of the emotional and traumatic ties that bind us up. Now, before you go all AWOL on me here and go, well, what about horrendous things. We're going to talk about that. So stay with me on this. By the way, just FYI, caveat, parenthetical thought. The kingdom is upside down to how we normally think. The kingdom is upside down. Less is more. Small is great. Last is first. It's an upside down kingdom. Bless those who persecute you. Forgive those who are your enemies. It's an upside-down kingdom. So don't be surprised if the way Jesus has us approach forgiveness is upside-down to what we typically think. Can I get an amen? So here it is. There's Colossians 3.13. Bear with each other. That means literally put up with each other. When Jesus told his disciples, how long must I bear with you? He was like putting up with them. How long? I mean, he literally said that. Bear with one another. Forgive whatever grievances. I broke the word whatever down in the first service. Whether it's Aramaic, Hebrew, Greek, or English, it all means the same thing. It means whatever, okay? So each, forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Whatever it may be. 
I will forgive everything but. I'll let go of anything except. And what we're doing is we're taking those, those ties that bind and we're wrapping them around ourselves. We're the ones in prison. And we think we're somehow holding them when in fact we're holding ourselves. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Am I the only human that's been forgiven a boatload of stuff? Pastor Dwayne Sheriff uses this little idiom. He says, I've pulled some pretty big pieces of stupid in my life. He's from uh, Durant, Oklahoma. He talks like that. Actually, he talked like this. But anyway, great preacher of the word. But when he said that the first time, I said, yes, sir, that's me too. Been there, done that, got a closet full of t-shirts. So knowing how much I've been forgiven, I have to release. Here's another one. No more power. So I wrote her and I said this. Forgiveness does not mean you are saying the perpetrator is not worthy of consequences. This is one of the biggest blockages to forgiveness because we somehow think if I forgive them, I'm saying it's okay what they did and that there should be no natural or logical consequences. That's the enemy trying to talk you out of getting this blocker removed out of your life. Because he knows if he can keep you bound up, you will stay bound up. You'll never be one to advance the kingdom and get breakthrough and victory and live that overcoming life and live above the fray as we're called to do the abundant life Jesus speaks to in John 10.10. Instead, we'll live under the influence of unforgiveness. So that doesn't mean that you're saying that they're not worthy of consequences. What it is saying is I release myself from their ability and their power to inflict more harm and control my mind, will, and emotions. So literally, it's a disempowerment. You're releasing that. And just one little caveat. When the scripture tells us we're to bless our enemies and bless those who persecute us, when you declare blessing over somebody, literally by principle, it means that you're positioning them under the canopy of God so that God's justice and God's righteousness will rule. In other words, I take myself out of the equation of being the judge, jury, and executioner over another person's life, and I say, Lord, they're yours. So I bless them. I position them under your reign, under your government, under your rule. Does that make sense? That's the power of blessing. Now, what happens after that, that's, that's between them and God. But my role is to bless them and posture them, position them under his canopy. You should think on that, son. That is a powerful principle. There's more to blessing than just saying it after somebody sneezes or before a meal. Amen? It's a powerful principle. Matthew 5, 43, you've heard that it was said, this is Jesus speaking, love your neighbor, hate your enemy, but I tell you, this is upside down, remember? Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Whoa, love my enemies and pray for those, yes, absolutely, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you say, there is no way I can love my enemy and I cannot pray for those who persecute me, I'm telling you, you're probably right. Because this out of the Sermon on the Mount was actually, he's saying you can't do this. This is why you need a Savior. This is why you need me working in your life and now beginning to work through your life. Jesus himself 
died for you so he could give his life to you so he could live his life through you. You cannot pull off the Sermon on the Mount, but Jesus can and did. And he can do it in and through you. Boundaries. Again, hearkening back to Henry Cloud, Dr. Cloud. I count, and this is again what I wrote her, I counsel folks that when you forgive, you must also make sure that you set up boundaries. Forgiveness does not mean you're inviting that person back into your space to inflict more harm and cause more damage. You are creating space between you and them so that you can walk free from their control, manipulation, and dysfunction. Can I get an amen? A lot of times we think, well, if I forgive them, that means we're back in a, a, a relationship. Let me tell you, you can be in a relationship but have distance. A few years ago, uh, someone did something against my family. It threw us into a horrible place. A lot of damage, a lot of loss, brutal, terrible thing that happened. And then he called me about three years after that happened and repented to me. Now, fortunately, I had read Henry Cloud's book on boundaries, because back in the day, I would have said, yeah, let's go get coffee, let's go hang out, let's go do life together, and I would have put myself right back in this very manipulative, controlling, dysfunctional relationship. And this man left a wake of bodies behind him everywhere he went. People who've been hurt for years. He's just, he's a, like an F5 tornado. Knowing that and being now equipped and armed, I said to him, I said, here's the deal. I said, I forgive you. Thank you for repenting. And for my part, I own my part in it too. So we're on equal ground. We're walking in the ministry of reconciliation, which the scripture says. However, I didn't say it out loud, but I said in my mind, I'm building a moat around me right now. And you can't cross over and you don't have the password. But I literally said, because he said, well, let's go get coffee. I said, I said, man, I appreciate the invite, but no, that's not going to happen. And he was a little confused. He goes, well, what about next week? Maybe we can get together. I said, no, that's not going to happen then either. He said, what do you mean? I said, literally, I said, no, it, we're, we're going to do life from a distance. I'll be your friend. Call me anytime you want, and I'll be here for you, but we, we can't be in proximity. That's hard for him to take because even in trying to extract my forgiveness was more for him than it was for us because he was still in control. And because I recognized that, because the Holy Spirit had taught me and I'd listened, I was able to draw a boundary around that. And we were able at another occasion to hug necks and high five and it was a beautiful thing. But you have to be willing to set up boundaries or you will get pulled right back into it. So don't let the fear of that keep you from doing what you need to do and letting go. Because remember, you're drinking the poison, not them. 1 Corinthians 5.11 says this, But now I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater, a slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler. And you can just put an ellipsis there, dot, 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 because it's not a closed-in list. With such a man, do not even eat. He's not saying reject another human being. He's saying someone who's toxic in your life and taking you down, you need distance from. You can walk in forgiveness and still not have to be in their orbit, experiencing their toxicity. Does that make sense? So, 
Here's another one, the barrier to forgiveness. And I am going to borrow from Dr. Cloud on this one. One of the greatest enemies of forgiveness and the freedom it brings is entitlement. So here's some markers of entitlement from Dr. Cloud from boundaries. Listen to this. Here are a few examples of entitlement. See if you have any of these. I've had them all at one point or another. I'm not going to tell you which ones I still have. That's between me and God. Feeling that I deserve a better lot in life than I received. Why do they get the breaks and I don't? Why is it that they were raised in a family with money and I'm not? Why is it that they inherited 7,000 acres and I didn't? I mean, the list could go on and on and on and on of why we deserve a better lot in life than we receive. That's entitlement. Here's another marker of entitlement. A sense that people need to make restitution for their sins against me. See, it goes back to that original statement that Henry Cloud made where it is we, we are empowering them because we still want something from them. So we're not going to let go until we get it, till we get justice, till we get revenge, till we get what's coming to us. I'm not going to let go. That's entitlement. Some people will go to their grave expecting an apology that's never going to come. And they'll stay bound to that their entire life and never fulfill all the God dreams that God had for them. And another characteristic is a need for others to apologize for hurting me before I'll get better. So who's in bondage here? The perpetrator or the person who's offended? Again, the word forgive means to let go, to release, to put away so here's what it produces. Here's what forgiveness. Once you step into this, and we'll tell you how. We're going to end with this is how you do it. To live. Freedom. Literally, what forgiveness produces is freedom. To live, to laugh, to love, to forgive. You're free to do the, th the things that have happened to you through Jesus Christ into other people's lives, and you do it without an expectation of them coming back for you. Again, it takes us out of the equation. I'm here to bless. That's it. Not to get a thank you, but to bless. Gratitude, it produces gratitude. Humility and gratitude and thanksgiving are products of forgiveness because when you know how forgiven you are, how can you not be grateful? Most of my prayers, most of my prayers are thank you, thank you, thank you. I do sound like a broken record to the Lord, I'm sure. Joy, here's another product. How can I not be joyful when I've been forgiven so much? How can I not be happy, excited, and energized knowing how much I've been forgiven? And here's what it produces. It produces life. When you're forgiven, you no longer live and labor under the burden of your sin. You ever feel like you're just carrying weight around? When you are forgiven and you know it and you're accepted and you know it and you're loved and you know it, it's literally the labor. You're not under this burden anymore. You understand that when Jesus said he died once for all of your sins, he literally died for all your sins. You understand when he says in John 8, 36, that you're free indeed, that you're free indeed. You understand when he hung on a cross and said, to tell us, die, it is finished, it is done. He took care of it. Paid in full is what that means. And when you get that, you get life. You get hope. Forgiveness releases confident, joyful expectation in your life and through your life. You become a hope dispenser. You know, we had Pez dispensers when I was a kid. Anybody remember Pez? 
Remember, did any of you just cheat and not even put it in the dispenser just to eat them right out of the package? That was no fun. But anyway, love those things. But we just become a hope, like a Pez dispenser, hope and grace. It just comes out of us. And everywhere we go, we leak out life. We leak out hope. We leak out grace. We leak out mercy. And we're just dispensing it everywhere we go. Here's another thing forgiveness produces, grace. Forgiveness frees me to extend the same grace to others that I myself require. And folks, I'm just telling you, it's a lot. It's just a lot. I'm just honest about it. So what does walking in forgiveness look like? So here's a little how-to. I don't like formalizing things, but this is kind of, I mean, it's just a step. And it, you can make it your own, but I'm just going to share this with you. I'm going to make this available if anybody wants this. I had some people approach me between the, they wanted this for themselves. So we'll make that available. Um, I'll put it, I'll actually put this on the Facebook page. So if you do Facebook, you, you can go pick it up there later. So here's how we, here's what we do. Number one, this is how deep it is. Ask, okay, here we go. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind anyone you have not forgiven. I prayed that for you. You should pray it for yourself. And I have no doubts and names popped up in heads today. First service, same. Pray and ask the Holy Spirit to bring to mind anyone you've not forgiven. Ask this question. This is a tough one. Who am I in bondage to because of unforgiveness? That's a strong one. Here's another one. Repent. Okay, repent does not mean grovel at the altar. Repent means literally, I'm moving this way. I'm going this way. This is my pattern. But to repent means I turn and go back to God. I'm going away from him, but now I'm going to turn and go back. Repent means to turn, literally, is what the word means. So repent, turn. Ask the Lord to forgive you for walking in unforgiveness and for the grace to forgive. And then, well, I'll get to that in a minute. I'm skipping ahead. So, because it's so good. Here we go. Forgive, forgive. What, how do you do that? In prayer, I'm telling you exactly what to do. Speak forgiveness grace and mercy over them. Speak life, speak blessing, speak increase over them. Pray for them. Bless them. Speak life over them. Here's what I find happens. When I step into this and exercise it, someone that I'm frustrated with, someone I'm about, I literally, when I start to pray for them, it shifts my mentality. I move from contempt to compassion in a nanosecond in prayer. Suddenly, I'm compassionate because then I'm open to hearing the why behind the what because that person is upset for a reason. That person is mad at the world for a reason. It probably had little to do with me. I might have been a trigger in the moment, but for the most part, people were mad a long time before they got to me or you. It's just toxicity coming out of their life. Does this make sense? So forgive, speak life, speak grace. I mean, declare it with your mouth. Don't think it, speak it, say it. Remember, our words shift atmospheres. And when we speak into the atmosphere, things have to change. And then here's the next one. Forgive yourself. It's not a typo. Forgive them, but you need to forgive you. Forgive. Forgive and release yourself from past missteps, mistakes, blunders, sin, and disappointment. Well, how many times do I have to do that? I've already done that before. How many? As long as it takes. 
as long as it takes, as many times as it takes, Jesus said 77 times 77, as much as it takes is literally what that meant. Forgive yourself. Sometimes it's a lot harder to forgive ourselves than it is others. And when we close in just a couple of minutes, we're going we're gonna to ask the Lord to give us grace to do that. Because some of you need to let yourself go and release yourself. Because here's the good news. He released you a long time ago. You just don't feel like it. But sometimes we've got to get our feelings out of the way and get our knower involved in it because we know the truth that makes us free. And whom the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. You're already forgiven. You just don't know it. Last two. This is the one I wanted to skip to real quick. Thank. Thank. By faith, give thanks in advance for God's goodness. There's not a day it doesn't go by that I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for healing my tinnitus in my head. Ringing in the ears. Not actually in the ear, it's in the brain, but it rings constantly and sometimes it's worse than others. And I've been praying for years and others have prayed with me and for me, but you know what? I thank him all the time. Every time I hear it, because now that I mentioned it, I'm hearing it. That was good before. I should not have brought that up. It's, you just sort of do mind tricks to overcome it. But literally, I'll say, I'll pray about it. I'll say, Lord, I, I just, would you heal my ear? Would you heal this, whatever's causing this? And then I'll say, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father. I praise and thank you that I'm healed of tinnitus. Thank you for your goodness and your grace. Some of you may think that's crazy. I think it's faith. It's declaring and calling those things that be not as though they were, according to Romans chapter 4. It says, our God does this. So I want to be like my daddy. So I'm going to keep doing that. So thank him in advance. Thank him. So here's the deal. You're going you're gonna to pray. You're going to get motivated. You're going to go, okay, I'm going to forgive. Here's a list. Oh, my gosh, it's a yellow pad. It's three pages. Okay, I'm going to forgive these guys. But here's the deal. You're going to start doing it, but you won't feel it. But since when in the Bible does feelings have anything to do with faith? It doesn't. And so you do it whether you feel it or not because it's the power of your words that changes atmospheres and you speak grace, you speak forgiveness and eventually your mind will catch up. Eventually your heart will catch up. Eventually your emotions will catch up. But you do it by faith. How many times? As many as it takes. For how long? As long as it takes until you get freedom and breakthrough. You'll know, trust me, when it's there, the fog lifts and the chains drop to the floor like an old wood gymnasium. The last one kind of goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. Repeat as often as necessary. Remember Jesus said 77 times. And then let me say one last thing that I, I thought about during, between services. You don't have to go find that person and tell them that you forgive them. I wish I'd said that in the first service. Sometimes we can actually cause more damage by doing that because some people don't even know you're offended. They don't even know you're mad. Or they may have forgotten a long time ago what even happened, and then now you're even more mad. That happened to me one time. A, a guy called me and goes, I know we got tangled up, but I don't remember what it was. I'm like, What? You crushed me, <laughs> and you don't remember? That's even worse. Now I'm really mad. Thanks a lot for the call. I mean, it, just, it didn't do any good. 
I'll end with this story. We were in California, and we were on staff at a great church, Faith Community Church, and we were experiencing literally a church in revival. We were seeing miracles and movements of God, and we had done this production. We saw 700 people born again come to Christ. We baptized hundreds of them. One of my daughters got baptized during that time, and we were seeing God move in powerful, amazing ways. And our pastor was so excited, and he got up one day, Oh, Lord. He got up one day. He was teaching on forgiveness. It was one of those things I'm like, don't ever do this if you teach on forgiveness. So don't worry. We're good. We're safe. But he, at the end, he was so caught up and excited, and man, God was moving. It was a sweet time. And he said, here's what I want you to do. When everybody stand to their feet, you're going to remember this. He said, I want you to go to anyone in this room that you're offended with. We're talking to church, folks. That's the last place you want to say that. Say it at school. Say it at work. You know, you'll get a couple of responses. In a church, hey, we've all stepped on each other's toes sooner or later. Amen? So that's why God sticks us all together, knock the edges off of us. He's brilliant. So he says, I want you right now, everybody stand up. He said, I want you to go to everyone you're offended at or upset with. I want you to, to re- repent to them and, and, and let them release them. Well, at first, it was real quiet. You know, like the barometric pressure in the room changed for a second. And then somebody got up, and another person got up, and then everybody got up. And there was movement. I'm up in the sound booth hiding out, basically. <laughs> I've got, I'm letting my seat go down. <laughs> I'm sinking down like, because I knew there's some people ticked off in me. So I'm that wild youth pastor who rides a motorcycle and has long hair and plays a guitar. So I was already on the edge with everybody. And I watched people, and you know who had the longest line in the church? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what were you thinking? It was embarrassing. It was terrible. And it, it was not like, some people were crying and, you know, making up. Others were crying and leaving because it was so brutal. So here's the deal. All that to say, <sighs> really discern, pray, and listen if you really do need to go there with somebody. Because sometimes you'll create more of a problem. You have to have wisdom and maturity on this. So don't just go off half-cocked and go, okay, I'm going to get this off my chest. I'm releasing you for what you did to me. And I forgive you, by the way. I mean, don't, don't, it's, that, didn't, that isn't it. Sometimes you need to do that in your prayer closet in the secret place. And then just take our simple little strategy here. We're just going to do the next thing Jesus tells us to do. And that's all I would ask. Do the next thing Jesus tells you to do. Just make sure it's him. Amen? Can we pray together? Father, we love you and honor you and bless you. And thank you for truth. Thank you for your word. And Lord, this is a tough topic because all of us are navigating offense and hurt and woundedness, some serious trauma, some not so much. Some of us are navigating our own dysfunction, our own toxicity. Some of us are navigating our own immaturity, our own spiritual immaturity. So, Lord, we're all swimming in these waters at some level or another. So my prayer for our family here today is grace, mercy, help, hope, shalom, peace. You would pour out your grace on us. For my friends here, Lord, that we'd forgive two parties, the, the one that's hurt us, the one that's whatever's happened we would release them and stop drinking poison expecting them to die, but release them and not expect another thing out of them. Not even a thank you, not even an apology, not anything, just to release them.
And then the other, Lord, give us grace to forgive ourselves. Lord, you're not holding us in bondage. Your word says that you've, re as far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed our transgressions. You've cast them into the sea. They're away from us, never to return, never to be remembered, never to be brought back up again, and yet we tend to bring it up all the time. So would you give us grace to forgive ourselves? Holy Spirit, would you check us up all through the week, all through the next few weeks, check us up when we're tempted to judge, tempted to hold on to, tempted to not let go, tempted to hold somebody, hold it over them, tempted to expect something out of somebody that, that doesn't even have the capacity to give us. To give us grace to grow up in Christ into all things. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen.